It is time to get inside the minds of our Calgary Flames. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Locked On Flames. As always, I'm your host, Jess Belmosto, joined by my partner in crime, Nick Zoraris. Nick, how are you? Like everybody else, I'm tired. I'm upset summer's about to be over. You know, all, all of the existential quandaries we face at the end of August. Yeah, of course. And today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNHL or enter promo code LockedOnNHL for a free white tech hat with any order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise. Today, we are doing exactly what we said at the top of the show. We're going to take things from or answer questions or ask questions from the perspective of certain players on the Flames roster. And uh, this is just an interesting thing because I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, what would Elias Lindholm be asking right now? What would you be thinking? Exactly. Exactly. This is a useful thought exercise to kind of, to kind of think from an outside perspective, think from a perspective other than your own, which is really, that's really the only shortfall we have as content people is we're generally giving you what we think. And generally we're doing that based on the evidence we have, the information we have, and there are limitations to that because mm-hmm. when you're only thinking about it from a certain perspective, you're limiting yourself. And for some players, they're what they, what motivates them, their priorities are, are different than what other people are. This is the conundrum all the time where you owe anytime you see a player agree to an extension or go to a new place in free agency, it's, well, why would they want to go there? What about that is better than where they were? Or why would they take less money? Or why would they ask for more money? And it's really one of those things that there's no way to really know. And it's why this is a useful exercise because the Flames have a bazillion questions to ask. And we've been asking them a lot all summer. But I think it, it, for the purposes of this episode, it'll be very constructive to think about it from the perspective of a Jonathan Huberto, who's coming off the worst season of his career, or coming at it from the perspective of a Matt Coronado, who I need, I want to make this team, and I really don't want it to be as miserable as it was last year. And part of that is me being here. So what can I do to make things better? So there's a whole lot to tackle this from. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, where should we start? I feel like... Huberto would be a fair option because he, you know, had the most tumultuous season. Most challenging, yeah. Most challenging, yeah. Uh, I guess, like, the first thing I would ask is, like, am I the next captain? Or, you know, where do I fit in with the leadership group? Because, obviously, he does uh, hold a lot of respect in the locker room and a lot of people – you know, have only ever said nice things about him. And he's someone that does work hard, has proven himself, and is going to need to bounce back. Yes. I wholeheartedly agree with you. The The question of the captaincy will be a recurring one because there's probably three or four people throughout the course of this episode will mention that are candidates for the captaincy. And that that's partly tied to like knowing who's going to be on the team mm-hmm. long-term versus short-term. But it, it's a very valid question. And from I think if you are going to make Huberto the captain, 
I think you do that in one of two instances. One, you definitely get your trades for your other guys. You you trade Lindholm, you trade Hannafin, and Huberto is your captain. He's your most marketable known player. He's your easiest to pitch as it's going to be lean here for a year or two, but we've got Huberto to hold it down. He's mm-hmm. coming. He comes from an organization that has been through that lean period. Exactly. He knows what it's like to be on a team that's struggling, that's trying to find its identity, that's in that ascending part of the slope. That, I think, is the one avenue. And then the other avenue where you get Huberto as the captain is they roll the dice entirely. They go into the season without extensions for any of the long-term guys. They play. They see how the season plays out, and they want to have a captain to as part of the enticement of hey, you want you don't want to go anywhere. Like I know there might be greener pastures out there where you think you might get a little bit more money or a better chance to win. But Huberto's our captain now. We've got a firm identity. We've got a coach who's constructive, who works with our leadership as opposed to being at odds with our leadership. And I think those are the two avenues in which Huberto ends up being the captain. I, yeah, no, that's a really good, uh, several good points, really. I mean, I think this team, they have all talked about since for the last four months is them not having that established leadership group and no one to kind of be that middleman or go to bat for them in those really uncomfortable situations. And you know, I don't think it's going to be all, you know, peaches and cream because that's not how things work. Yeah. But it's not going to be anything like last season in terms of the toxicity from the coach. Fingers crossed. Ryan yes. has to have us all fooled. And I, someone does have to go to bat for these guys. Someone does have to kind of put their foot down, even with the players, and be like, cut the crap. You know, yeah. we get it. You're 19, 20 years old. We get you want to go out and drink and have fun, but like show up to practice on time and not hungover. The one addendum I will make to that is you don't have to, you just because you are a captain does not necessarily mean you are a good leader. There are plenty of teams that have guys who are, who don't wear a letter on their jersey, but are effective leaders because they either lead by example or they're just so respected because the weight they command that everybody's like, well, yeah, he might wear the C, but we follow that guy. That yeah. there are teams where that type of dynamic exists. I just want to throw that in there before you. Yeah, move. absolutely. And the captain never has to be the best player on your team either. I yes. feel like that can kind of get lost in there, and that's why not really with the Flames, but with certain teams, it's like, well, this guy should be the captain because look at all of his points and look at all the accolades, and it's like, what else does he do? I, I think the addendum to that I, the. Uh, The modification I will make to that is you have to be a solid, you cannot, you have to be at least like the fourth or fifth best player on the team. Yes. Anything lower than that as your captain, I don't think it works because part of that issue is there are times where, you know, it's an 82 game season. It's hard to go to work. Sometimes there are days where I do not want to go in. And there are days where the captain is going to have to be able to make a play. It's not just saying Mm -hmm. words in the locker room. It's not just getting rah-rah. It's not organizing team dinners. Sometimes you, if you are a good team, you need your captain to go out there and make a, a hockey play, to score yeah. a goal, to facilitate a goal, to shut down a really good player on another team. And that's why you don't need to be the best player, but you should be one of the best players on a team when you're naming captain. And real quick, the question I would have if I were Huberto is, how are we going to unlock the offense that we know we have? 
because yeah. that that's the hockey question for the Flames. Because mm-hmm. talent-wise, the Flames had plenty of talent last year. We said it all year that they were a really talented team that never really put it all together. So my question, if I'm Jonathan Huberto, somebody who had 100 points two years ago, is how do we get closer to that? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying we need to trade all of our defense for scoring, but we do need to be willing to concede something defensively for the sake of more offense because you saw what happened last year when you tried to win every game 2-1 to one or 3-2. to two. You're just making things too difficult. And in today's NHL, you need to be averaging that three and a half, four, between three and a half and four goals a game if you consistently want to be a playoff team. And I think that was part of the process of bringing in Huska as the coaches. How do we maximize these veterans who are already here? Guys like Kadri, who had a really good first half, and then petered out as the season developed. So that's a question I have for Huberto because I think it's tied to the captaincy question as well of, okay, if we're going to name Huberto the captain, how are we going to maximize him? How are we going to maximize Kadri? Of the people who are still here that are going to be here for the foreseeable future, how do we unlock the offense that we know is there underneath? Yeah, you know, there's a reason why all these guys were acquired and, you know, why they're so highly regarded. And it, it's time to kind of – shake off the dust and dust off the cobwebs and get back to uh, the attractiveness of these players. But coming up next, we are going to continue asking all these questions and tackling the offseason from a different point of view. But before we do that, I do want to take a quick minute here to tell you about bird dogs. Bird dogs are fantastic. They are wonderful, wonderful shorts. They have some fantastic uh, like joggers as well, and um, they fit way better than regular shorts, and they're not made of restricting material that just, it, it doesn't move with you. Bird dogs move with you. And the best part is, is that they use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So whether you're out on the golf course you're out by the pool or grilling or hanging out, you're not going to stink. Well, at least from your shorts. But uh, go to birddogs.com today slash LockedOnNHL or birddogs.com slash NHL and enter promo code LockedOnNHL for a free white tech hat with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNHL or promo code LockedOnNHL for a free white tech hat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us on Locked on Flames. It has been four long months without Flames hockey, and we are happy to provide that for you as we make our way back towards the season. Yes, when there will be actual hockey to discuss. That is the goal. I say it all the time, but when you're doing hockey content, it helps if there's actually hockey to talk about. Yeah, I mean, like, it looks like all the general managers kind of came back from their cabins over the last few days and got these extensions signed, and, well, we're still waiting. Yes, correct. We are waiting for resolution for several things on on different fronts with the Flames. So, the question, the next person I want to ask questions from the perspective of, and I think this one will be interesting, is from the perspective of Jacob Markstrom, because I think... Markstrom will more than likely be the fulcrum point for the team based on how their results are going to go. Because even if they trade Lindholm, if they trade Hannafin, etc., if they get even near Jacob Markstrom, they'll be a decent team. If they get a 9-10, 9-15 goalie, 
even if you're a mediocre team, you'll hang around, especially in the Pacific Division, if you get 9-10, 9-15 goaltending, especially as we've seen. I mean, the NHL account tweeted the other day, which Pacific Division tandem do you want? And, like, all of them on paper are pretty bad. Like, objectively, all of them are pretty bad. Like, the best one – stats wise is probably what they had in Edmonton last year where Stuart Skinner was decent in the regular season. And then he kind of worn out, wasn't very good in the playoffs. And Jack Campbell was decent in the playoffs. If you want to buy Aiden Hill as a long-term goalie, I don't know about that based on the fact he has, you know, like 140 career starts at this point in his career and really had only thrived during that brief playoff run where he was playing behind a team that was scoring a ton of goals at five on five. So I think from the perspective of Markstrom, the question I have one is what's the ideal split between me and Vladar? What do you think is the most success? What do you think is going to lead to the most team success? Number two, how long do you plan on carrying two goalies? Because Wolf is the lingering question. Three, is it me or Vladar who's more likely to move so I can be prepared where if I have to go somewhere else, I'm, you know, I can have my life together for that situation. And then the last question of that is what's the direction of the team? I'm still under contract for two more years, three more. I'm still under contract for three more years. Are we going to be competitive? Are we going to be going for it? Or are we just going to be trying to clean up our books and set up for what the next situation looks like? Because he is 33 years old. At the end of that contract, he'll be 36 going on 37. And he might be done at that point. There are not a lot of goalies who play into their late 30s unless you're an all-time great and you're still playing at a high level. Markstrom has been very, you know, roller coastery during his career. So those are my questions. What's What's the direction of the team? What's the ideal split? Is it me or Vladar who's more likely to get traded? Yeah, no, I didn't even think about uh, them potentially moving Markstrom. I would have thought. I don't think it's doable, but just from no. uh, the, his perspective, you know, oh, what can I... we do here? I, am I a candidate to get bought out at the end of this upcoming season going into yeah. next summer? That, that I... was a, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. I feel like we don't know flames organization is going to do we don't know it's not like brad tree living like where he was all like oh yeah like i can make everyone happy and not make people happy uh but we don't know could markstrom get bought out if he does have another bad season what if a team does come knocking yeah and carrying three goalies is untenable long term you can do it for a few weeks but you cannot do that long-term because you need to get your guys reps so they can get into rhythms. Oh. For the most part, goalies need consistent work to find their their rhythms. And there are very few goalies who are going to be effective playing once a week. And then if you throw them in there more than once a week, that changes the routine. Because this isn't going to be a split. This isn't going to be an A and B type deal. No. Ideally, this is 55-27-ish, something in that respect, where Vladar is going to start once a week, once every, twice every two weeks, that kind of ratio where it evens out to Markstrom's going to get two-thirds or so of the start. Vladar is going to get the other third. Ideally, but you have Wolf, and if you have to split it even more where, you know, Markstrom's going to get – 48 starts, Wolf's going to get 20, and Vladar's going to get 20. I just don't think that's a tenable situation for, for any of them. And it's unfair to all of them, frankly, because they're all at different points in their respective careers where Vladar probably feels he can be a starter somewhere in the NHL. Yeah. Maybe not on a good team, but he can be a starter oh somewhere. 
Markstrom has, you know, his pride and I'm still going to be here for three more years. I need to figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my career. And then Dustin Wolf wants a shot. I mean, right. he's done pretty much all there is to do at the AHL level. Yeah. And I think that that's fair, you know, in what capacity is he going to be used? I mean, yes. last, it, I don't know if you listened to the clip of Tyler Toffoli saying that like Daryl Sutter is basically doing like psychological warfare on Jacob. Yeah. Like, how are you going to ensure that you're not ripping away any confidence when you exactly. don't need to? I mean, you really don't need to rip away a player's confidence, but like, you know, when are you going to put Vladar or Wolf and whoever, you know, your backup is who, what, what are the circumstances and why would this player get a start against this team? Like, can we communicate? Like, do you think I'm not good against this team? Do, am I, do I need to prove something to you against this team? Like what, or is it just because? Yeah, no, I, I completely and wholeheartedly agree with you. I know I, I remember reading during the course of this offseason, reading something about the fact that Sutter wouldn't tell guys if they were out of the lineup. Yeah. He would just put the he would just put the lineup on the dry erase board before you know, <laughs> 10 minutes before they went out for warm-ups, and that's how guys found out if they were playing or not. Yeah. Which again, you're not setting yourself up for success when you live in an environment where everybody's like, damn, I really gotta go into work right now. Yeah, apparently they're uh a player found out that they were on waivers like right before it happened. And yeah. there was no, there was nothing. And that's, uh, I don't know. That's, that feels a little, little sucky, especially, you know, you're in the NHL, you deserve to be treated with some sort of respect and dignity. Yeah. And if you, if your coach doesn't respect you, why should you respect them? Yeah. Yeah, that, it's a very fair, very, very fair way to think about it. And it's part of why things got so disastrous last yeah. season. Everybody was miserable. You've been at, everybody's been at a job where nobody likes going in. And <laughs> the, the, the vibes are rancid. Everybody is just staring at the clock every two minutes. Oh, my God, is this meeting ever going to end? We don't need to do a morning huddle. This is, you know, Applebee's. We don't need, we don't need to <laughs> huddle. We don't need a huddle. I understand what the specials on the menu are. I, I've been been waiting tables a while I, I i understand how to do this we don't need a huddle we're not going into the field you know we're not emts we're not <laughs> the police battle yeah oh my god yeah no that's really like the perfect way to put it and especially at some points in the season where there was no turning it around nope there was no reason to be like the gang's all here no just go out on the ice do the 60 minutes go home get home as soon as you can as fast as you can. If you don't even want to eat after this game, you want to go home, that's fine. I understand. I wouldn't want to stick around either. A lot of quiet quitting. Yeah. I, I mean, hey, if there's a place to do it, it was definitely Calgary last <laughs> yeah. season. They might have revolutionized quiet quitting. And coming up next, we are going to wrap up the show with some more questions. And, you know, what on earth could these players be thinking? Thank you, everyone, for tuning into Locked on Flames as we carry you through the final weeks before the NHL returns in some capacity. Who do you have next? This one, I think, is probably the most straightforward. It's Elias Lindholm, and it's why should I stay? 
It's yeah. very straightforward. What what is the pitch here? Same thing we said before in regards to Huberto, and same thing in regards to Markstrom. What is the direction of the team? Are we yeah. honestly trying to win a Stanley Cup? Are we just trying to be competitive, or are we going to see how it, are we going to try and play this by ear and do what we did for the previous ten years of Brad Tree Living's tenure, where year to year we're trying our best just to get in, and then whatever happens happens? Because I think that's probably why this is taking this long. Because from all we know, the Flames have made a fair offer. They have get made a reasonable contract offer. And if Lindholm felt confident in the direction of the team, he would probably take it. So if I'm Lindholm, what's the direction of the team? What types of extra things am I going to get if I stay here? Because like we talked about in respect to Markstrom, this is somebody who is 28. So this will probably be his last big contract. Maybe he gets one last short-term thing at 35, 36 years old after this one. But more than likely, this is it in terms of big payday. So what's it look like for after my career? Can you set me up with a coaching job, a scouting job, put me put me on the path to something in the front office? Are you guys going to set me up where I can do stuff back in Sweden if I want to do that after mm-hmm. my career? There are a lot of those types of little things that you don't really think about. Like I was re- like I'm reading a book right now about um, steroids in baseball in the early 2000s, and one of the things that the Giants promised Barry Bonds as part of his free agency was you get a first you get first class flight all the time, even if it's to and from team stuff. So like obviously the team flies on charter flights, but right. when you're coming to and from team stuff, first class, you get your own room. Whereas you know most athletes they get a roommate when they're on the road. You get your own room. That type, those types of little things where yeah. that might cause problems for everybody else on the team where it's like, hey, why does Elias get his own room? Why doesn't he have a roommate? That kind of thing. For somebody like him, maybe it's can my family come to more stuff? Can we mm-hmm. push for stuff like that? If there are any causes he's particularly passionate about that he right. wants to further in the community. Those are the types of things I would be curious about and think of. If I'm the Flames, how do I entice him? Where? Because very clearly, there's something holding this up. Because they've made a reasonable offer. And if it were as easy as like, hey, we want this much more money, or we want these perks, these accommodations, I feel like the Flames would be able to do that. Yes. So I think I, I think the logical holdup here is he's unsure of the direction of the team and kind of wants a trial run, which unfortunately will not help the Flames in the slightest. No, it won't. And I think, again, for Lindholm to want to stay in Calgary there there does have to be change this can't just be a we're gonna promise you the world and then fall short of it I think that he's watched and he's learned and you know you you do observe a lot of things I mean even in a normal workplace let alone what you experience as a professional athlete and you know maybe he has talked to other players um around the league and said hey like how are things where you are what what are you wanting in your next contract for those perks I think for him like you said it is going to be mainly family oriented things because he is getting married he has a child she or his fiance is from Sweden and she's made it clear she doesn't really like Calgary so what are you gonna do to, to facilitate. help us. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. What are you going to do? Can you work on getting her some partnerships? And because she does fitness stuff, like, can you yeah. do something? Can you help me yeah. make Calgary a more... Help me, experience? help you. Yeah, help exactly. me, help you. 
this is a mutually beneficial experience for exactly. uh, maybe everyone involved. <laughs> but yeah. I just, I do wonder. I bet he has like a pros and cons list on his phone that he. You're giving. I think you're giving too much credit to a hockey player. I I I, I think it's very straightforward. Where it's like. I don't know about this, man. I kind of want to try out playing on this team for half a season before I make a decision one way or another. And I really think that's what it's going to come down to and why the Flames are going to end up in this unfortunate position again. Yeah, that's probably right because the Flames really aren't in a position to force anyone's hand. Exactly. They, and that, they can't. And that's part of why players do this, where they go through, hey, we'd like to get traded, and they say that to insider X or Y or Z. So that way they put some heat on the team where the fans will be like, hey, we want to keep this guy. So yeah. what can we do? What can the team do to facilitate him staying? So that's really the questions I have in regards to Lino. The next person I have questions for from the perspective of is Mackenzie Weger. Because him, in an ideal world, you get him and Rasmus Anderson figured out. Mm -hmm. You have two, one of those two guys on the ice for at least 45 minutes of the entire game. And then all you got to figure out is who's playing with them and your third pair. That's a coach's dream. If you have two guys who you know can handle their business, all situations, 45 minutes a game between the two, if they're running power play and penalty kill as well, all situations, 45 minutes between those. Or if – can one of them play on their offhand and you play them together, that type of thing. The question I have from Uyghur's perspective is, what did I sign up for in respect to the other – the same thing we've asked for all these other guys. Yeah. Where, what's the direction of the team? Am I going to be playing on a team that is fighting for playoff spots? Am I going to be in an Eric Carlson position where three years from now I'm going to have to ask my agent to find a trade to another place and you guys are going to retain half my salary so I can go after a Stanley Cup, I can live in a more desirable market? Right. These are the, That's really the conundrum that I, I, has defined the Flames for a while now. I know we've talked about this a lot this summer. We talked about it a lot during the season. But until there's clarity about the long-term direction, all of these guys kind of have to feel like they have one foot out the door, even the guys with the long-term deal. Yeah. So, where, like, Uyghur's number is manageable. 625 with a cap going up. That is a contract that a decent team will make room for. Oh, that yeah. is a that is a player at that number that as long as he ages okay will be reasonable especially as the cap increases. If you're telling a team that's you know like I don't know um the Leafs who are starved for a defenseman who's good at defense. They have plenty of defensemen who are good hockey players but none of them are particularly good defensively and you're telling the Leafs 2 years from now, "Hey, you can get Mackenzie Weger at 3.1 million for the next 3 years." A lot of teams would sign up for that, for what Uyghur brings. Uyghur is one of the best defensive defensemen in the entire league. So am I here the long run? Do you intend me to play out this entire contract? Is part of me having this contract so that it's easier for you to move me? There are all of these questions tied to the organization, and we won't know until we see the team start playing. Because if they come out of the gate hot, I think you'll see a lot of this die down because everyone will be happy that the team is playing well. They don't even need to be get off to a great start, just a good start. If they come out of the gate, you know, seven and four, that a lot of people will be like, okay, that's beautiful. We're we are not we're not dead out of the gate. Yeah, things feel a lot better than last year. Let's see how crazy we can get here. Let's see how far we can go and go from there. 
But until we get to the actual games, the all of these questions, they all stem from one big question. Like at the top of that, what's the direction of the team? And all of these questions are offshoots of that. Yeah. Um, my question is, can I cut the ribbon at the new arena ceremony? <laughs> Can I get a concourse named after me at the new arena? Right. Like where, like the Mackenzie Weger, like fitness center or a snack bar, something. Because who do we owe a big thanks to? If if this project happens, sounds like it is, Mackenzie Weger. And yeah, I mean, there are so many more questions you could pull from these oh, guys. We could, we could do a week of this yeah there there's 18 skaters who dress and then there's three healthy scratches we could do a week of this yeah and you know i feel like the more we hear about you know things kind of trickled out about how last season really went and some behind the scenes stuff and if more of that came out we could pretend to have answers yes and why this player played the way they did we figured that out with jacob markstrom it makes perfect sense, but uh, we'll have to continue to wait if uh, players can want to give us anything else. My DMs are open. You can remain anonymous, but uh, that I think that'll do it for today. So thank you everyone for hanging out with us on today's episode of Locked on Flames. You can follow us on Twitter at Jess Belmosto and at Nick Zararis. You can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore flames pod and get your podcast or get the show wherever you listen to your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Feel free to leave some comments about what questions you would have as this player. And until next time.